0: Good. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. In, his, in his house, in his presence, in his habitation, good things, wonderful things, exciting things happen. When you come to the house of the Lord, we ought to come with expectation. We ought to come Expecting the Lord to move. Not hoping He will move, but expecting it. The power of expectation is, is faith in action. I expect God to do some awesome things today. I don't know what issues are going on In each and every one of your lives, I do know some things that are going on. I know some individuals that are sick, some individuals that need a touch from the Lord. I do know some that need direction. I do know some that need peace. I do know some that need saving. But I don't know every issue in your life and the families and friends that are connected to your life. But I came here this morning telling you that I feel like God is going to create some miracles in this service today. I want you to believe that with me because I have felt it and I feel it right now. I have felt it all week and I feel it now. And I am excited because I have an expectation in my spirit today that God will do some awesome things today. So whatever the needs are of your life today, I believe, if you will believe with me, where two or three agree is touching any one thing, it shall. Somebody say shall. Shall. Somebody say shall. Shall. It shall be done. It shall be done. Amen. Turn with me to Psalm 55, verse 18 today. Uh, I'm continuing my series on peace, but this is going to be just a little bit different. I really didn't expect to go in this direction with with this subject, but when you begin to study things out of the Word of the Lord and the Spirit leads you, There is no telling where you may wind up. But I'm going to talk about, the title is, You Need the Miraculous. Say that to yourself, I need the miraculous. Sometimes you just need a miracle. Sometimes the only way we're going to get out of the situation is God's got to intervene. He's got to bring the miraculous into play. He's got to create a miracle, and He can, and He does, and He will. Uh, But the role of the miraculous as affecting our peace, the peace of God in our lives, and the role of the miraculous as affecting our peace, and sometimes. To have true peace and total peace about some things, a miracle needs to take place. Psalm 55 and 18 says, He hath delivered my soul in peace from what? He already said it today. Yes. From the battle that was against me. Hallelujah. But look what he said after that. <laughs> He didn't talk about the many that were against him. He chose to focus. That's where peace is. That's the secret to it. Focusing not so much on what is against you, but he said, for there were many with me. For there were many with me. I don't know how you feel about that particular scripture right there but I feel like when I get to the word many I feel like there's a tinge of the angelic I feel like there's a tinge and a hint that he might not just have been talking about individuals and horses and chariots and soldiers that were with him I get the I get the inclination that he might have been referring to the mighty host of heaven Amen Amen. Amen. Now, Joshua chapter 10, verse 10. Joshua chapter 10, verse 10. It begins to talk about another battle, another situation where the people of God were in battle, and as they were fighting an enemy, there now I want you to pay attention to the to the the mentioning and the, the thought and the concept of this, the idea that we've been talking about being in a battle, because there's no, that is not, that is not an accident. That's not a coincidence. God knows how to send His Word to the, the specifics of our lives and our situations. He knows how the Word of God is a miraculous thing. You can preach the Word of God. Uh, one sermon can reach out to every individual need in there, and each one of those needs may be different. That's miraculous. That's the Word of God. Um, and he goes on in verse 10, and then from verse, skipping from verse 10 to verse... Listen to, let's just read it. And the Lord disconfited them before Israel and slew them with a great slaughter at Gibeon and chased them. He disconfitted, and he slew, and he chased them, and he smote them. Give me verse 12. Then spake Joshua to the Lord of the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites, and he said, and, to, uh, children of Israel, and he said, In the sight of Israel, Son, stand thou still upon Gibeon, and thou moon in the valley of Ajalon. Now, that is not normal. What were they doing? They had an enemy, an enemy was attacking them. That means when you 're in war that's the object of that's the opposite of peace. but they were fighting for peace. They were fighting an enemy to obtain the peace to keep the peace, retain the peace and in the midst of their battle for peace, they needed a miracle. And by the authority that Joshua felt upon him, I don't know what possessed the man. I don't know what made him do some anomaly like that. But he literally spoke to the son, to the Lord, he said, to speak to the son and say, tell the son to stop. We don't need it to get dark because if it gets dark, the enemy might have the upper hand and he might overcome us. So we need the sun to stand still. We need the daylight to be prolonged. How many times have you not wanted the night to come to your life? You wanted the sun to keep shining. Well, let me tell you something. He goes on down. Look at it. Next, Next verse. And he tells them, he said, the son did it, and it went on, and all this, and they they won the battle. And then he tells them, in another place, he said, in this same passage, he said, fear them not. Maybe it's verse 14. But he said, fear them not. Yeah, that was no day like it, for the Lord hearkened to the voice of a man. God created a miracle. But he said at the beginning passage of this, when they were getting ready to go into this battle, he told them a key word, fear. Fear them not. Do you know how much we struggle with fear? You know, this may sound simple to you, I don't know. But I have often said that fear is the opposite of faith. If we are afraid of a situation, that is not believing God. And the Bible said everything that we see accomplished in in the realm of the spiritual is done by faith. Our salvation begins with faith. That's our beginning of our salvation and the entirety of our life. It says that that we walk by faith and not by sight. The only way to operate in a spiritual mind, the only way to operate in the spirit, to walk in the spirit, is to walk by faith. You know, faith is the currency of heaven. If I want to... If I, if I want her, I like her Bible and she's not just, let's say she's not just totally dedicated and committed to this Bible like it doesn't have any sentimental value. And I say, I really like that Bible. How much you want? For, I'll buy that Bible for, from you. How much you want? And she say, you know, $15, $20, whatever. And I take $20 out of my wallet. That's the purchasing power to get what I want. And I I give her the $20, she gives me the Bible. If I'm in a store, I see something for sale, it's $50. I get $50 out, I give them $50, they give me the item. That's that's the currency of the natural realm. But the currency of the spiritual realm is faith. If you give God faith, he gives you the thing. Look at the scripture where it says when, when Abraham uh, was a man of faith, our father Abraham, what, what is he known for? He's known for faith. He's known for walking with blind eyes, not being able to see the future. I feel the spirit of the Lord today. I'm telling you, I'm walking in the spirit right now. And, and, he, and it said that his, his, he gave God faith and God gave him righteousness. Look at it. The word is imputed in the King James Version. It means give it to him. granted it to him. He gave God nothing but faith. He didn't give God abilities. He didn't give God uh, works. He, he didn't give God all those things in the beginning. He just believed. And God granted to him the thing that he desires. But what holds us back? Fear. Top The top 10 fears, I researched this, the top 10 fears that hold us back. Number one is rejection. Do you understand today that that is a fear? Yes, it is. If you understand that rejection is a fear, then you are now equipped with the tool to overcome it. Because if we can never get to the place that we, the only thing we need to make it is Jesus and our relationship with Him. I appreciate my family. I appreciate my wife and my kids. I appreciate my friends. I appreciate everyone around me. But what I really need, what's going to get me out of this world into the next, is Jesus and Christ alone. And Christ alone. So rejection overcome it fight it you got to fight your fears you cannot surrender to fear you cannot be overcome by fear every one of us feel fear every one of us are threatened and intimidated by fear but and we don't ought, sometimes we win the battle sometimes we don't but i'm encouraging you today to fight Your fear. If you're going to have peace in your life, you're going to have to fight your fear. Rejection, number one. The second one is failure. The third is uncertainty. Not knowing. The unknown. Number four is loneliness. This is real. This is real. These are the things people fear. These are the things that people deal with. These are the things that people hurt concerning. They hurt inside. And number five is change. Are we in the middle of change or are we in the middle of change? I mean, I'm not talking about a transaction, a transaction, and they said you can keep the change. I pay for it, you can keep the change. That's not the change I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm talking about a pruning. I'm talking about separation. I'm talking about a, a real change. Altering the course and trajectory of a lot of people's lives. And in this church, with me coming in as a new pastor, we just relax about that and just say, God is in this. Let God do what he wants to do. You're not going to agree with everything I say. You're not going to agree with everything I do. And that's all right. We're not going to be enemies over that, right? I don't want to be. I don't want to... be. No, I'm not going to be enemies with anyone. I refuse it in Jesus' name. Then number six is the loss of freedom. Number seven, being judged. Number eight, getting hurt. Number nine, the... Threat or the fear of something bad happening. And then you can sit around, you can worry, and you can stress, and you can have anxiety about something bad happening that is nothing but an illusion in your mind and a trick of the enemy to discourage you, to frighten you, to intimidate you. Sometimes you just need a miracle. You just need God to show up on the scene and stop the sun. Make the sun stand still. And then the tenth thing is inadequacy. Inadequacy. Fearing you're not going to measure up. Fearing you're not going to be educated enough. You're not going to be smart enough. You're not going to be spiritual enough. Inadequacy. Not going to be strong enough health-wise or or whatever, etc., etc. And then from these things, there are phobias that come. Social phobias. Fear of uh, being around people. Too many people. Uh, Fear of open spaces, fear of heights, fear of flying, fear of closed, enclosed spaces, fear of uh, an an overcoming fear of insects or snakes or dogs or storms or needles. On and on and on and on and on the story goes because fear is a never-ending cycle. If I ever give in to it, it's going to continue to come, and it's going to continue to harass me, and it's going to continue to work against me in my life. You're going to need to see signs, wonders, and miracles in your life. Mark 16, verse 17, says, And these signs shall, He didn't say they might. He didn't say they could. Is anybody with me this morning? Am I here on a limb by myself? These signs shall follow them that what? Not that are powerful, not that are anointed, not that are faith healers. Not a great men and women of renown, but them that believe. Every believer. And he said, in my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. 18. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. That's why it's not a sin to drink coffee. you <laughs> I just thought I'd throw that in for fun they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover come on in the name of Jesus sometimes in order to have peace we need to break the power whatever it might be whether it's a natural power or whether it's a demonic spiritual power it needs to be broken sometimes off of my mind off of my life and off of my family off of my home off of my friends off of my church Sometimes I need the miraculous. Sometimes I need a miracle. And sometimes I feel like that our peace is threatened because we don't have the miraculous as often as we should have it, as much as we should have it in our lives. Now, I'm not here today to tell you that... Um. If we pray for someone, God don't heal every single time he doesn't heal. I don't know why he don't do that. It isn't, it's beyond me, it's beyond my pay grade, it's beyond my spiritual realm of understanding, and I don't know anyone, any ministry anywhere that I've ever talked to, and I've talked to some high powerful people. I've talked to pre-flow dollar. I've talked to Jefferson Franklin. I've talked to some people of renown that are known in the country and around, and a lot of just praying people. We don't understand why he don't do it every time. And when God doesn't do it, it don't mean He can't, and it don't mean He will. Not. It don't mean He will not. It don't hinder and it don't stop. But sometimes God's got a higher purpose. He's got a greater plan. He's got a bigger uh, future and plan and will. And he's got a reason for some things. I don't understand it and you don't understand it. And it don't necessarily mean there's sin in your life. It don't. It don't necessarily mean that. Now, I just put that out there. I don't want to quench the spirit with stating that. But I'm telling you right now, when God, the miraculous is a necessary ingredient, I need it. I need the miraculous in my life. I refuse to live my life without it. If I don't see God move, if I don't see God heal, if I don't see God minister, if I don't see a miracle every once in a while, I get concerned personally in my own walk with God. We've seen a lot of things. We've seen Actually, we've seen several miracles. We've seen the hand of God just in this whole entire transaction that we've made in coming from Mississippi to here, settling in here, the things we've been doing here, and, and getting adjusted and all of those things. I've seen the miraculous. I've seen God move. I could sit here. I could tell you about it. Some things are just little things. Some things are big things. But there's been prayers answered, then she knows, I'm telling the truth, we have prayed desperately and seriously about for a long period of time that God has answered. That's the miraculous. That's God moving. That's breaking barriers and walls down and opening the doors. He said he'd make a way where there was no way. He'd make a way in the wilderness. He'll put streams in the desert. God wants to create some miracles in some lives. But sometimes, between faith and being whole, between faith and getting the miracle, getting the prayer answered, that requires the miraculous, there's a gap. There's a gap in the middle sometimes between the faith and the answer. Let's look at Mark chapter 5, verse 34. I want you to notice the progression of this this sentence. He said unto her, Daughter, thy faith, there's the faith, have made thee whole, go in peace, and be whole of thy plague. So, what's in the middle? Peace. Peace is in the middle so what I contend today is between faith and the miraculous or faith and being whole is peace if we can have peace about it the gap is filled and if you have peace about it you can go on believing in spite of the evidence There is no telling how many times in my life that God told me it is done, but according to the evidence, it was not done. Are you hearing me this morning? Between faith and the miracle, I had to hold on to peace. I had to have peace about it. I had to go on saying, okay, I'm not going to stress, I'm not going to doubt, I'm not going to fear, I'm not going to worry. Woo! And the Bible says when the ten lepers, as God healed them, it said, as they went on their way, they were made whole. Amen. Sometimes God says it, and you just got to keep going on your way. Woo! I know I'm still hurting. I know I'm still stressed. I know I'm still got it, devil, but I believe God told me he said I was going to be healed. And you're a liar. You know where the, how many times the devil steals the miraculous from us because we don't have peace? Just have peace in your life. Let God bring peace to you. Now, 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 1. They brought the ark of God and set it in the midst of the tent that David had pitched for it. And they offered burnt offerings and sacrifices and peace offerings before God. Now, they weren't able to do that before the ark of the covenant came in. But when they got the ark of the covenant, the ark of the covenant represented a lot of things. But one of the things it represented was the presence of God. So I want to talk to you about it as a move of God. The presence of God. Bringing the presence of God back into its rightful place in our lives. Bring a move of God into the situation. Bring the miraculous back into the situation. By faith and believing. But if you get priorities, they were getting their priorities straight. They were getting alignment. They were getting position. If we can get priorities and alignment with God and positioning, we're going to have Pentecost in our life. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Passover provoked Pentecost. See, you can provoke a move of God. You can. Because sometimes it seems like God's playing a game of hide and seek with us. We know God's everywhere. We know he's omniscient. We know he's he's omnipresent. We know he's in this room. We know Colossians says by him. All things consist. But sometimes he just doesn't move I can't feel him. I can't sense that he's there. He's working. Sometimes I just, I get a little, I get a little stir crazy with it. And I I get, i like, come on, come on, God. Stir up the rug. Blow the curtain. Twirl the ceiling fan. Do something. Move. Show me. Show me you're here. Show me your presence. Let me feel something. Just one chill bump right now. I know we don't have to feel things, okay? I'm not talking about we got to feel something and emotions and all that for it to work. I know we don't. We can lay our hands on somebody and there's. Not one ounce of anything, and God will many times still move it. We don't have to feel it, but I'm talking about when I want to move of God, and I'm just talking about me. Sometimes, you know, but getting self in the right position and getting focused in the right position. Look at Luke twenty-two, forty-two. He said, "What? Not my will." That's positioning. That's alignment. That's self-denial, not my will, but thine be done. Now give me Psalm 34:14, and then I want to go to Matthew 6:33. Let's look at it. Depart from evil and do good. Look at this: Seek peace. Basically, according to the punctuation mark. He is explaining the first part of that sentence with the last part of the sentence. Depart from evil and do good basically means, in other words, seek peace and pursue it. So seek peace. Pursue it. How many know sometimes peace is evasive? It runs. It it seems like it's leaving out of my life. I talked to you one time about when Jesus was on the ship and he stepped out and he said, Peace, be still, come back here. You're trying to leave, but you need to come back into the situation, right? You need to come back here. Don't leave. You don't have permission to leave. I have not dismissed you. So seek peace. Now, Matthew 6, But seek ye first the kingdom of God. It's all got to do with position, alignment, aligning myself up with the will of God. I see a connection here. Seek peace and seek first the kingdom of God. Seek peace, seek first the kingdom of God. It's connected. There's a connection there. Now, Matthew 7, verse 7. What did he tell us to do? Ask, seek, and knock. Look at this in the Amplified Version. Thank you for that. Keep on asking. Hello, somebody. Keep asking. In the King James, it just says, ask. But it's explaining here that it means to keep on asking, and it will be given unto you. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. Sometimes the process is I need to seek it in order to find it. Now... 50 days after Passover comes Pentecost. Jesus died, he was buried, then 40 days after the resurrection, and 10 days after the ascension, ascension into heaven, Pentecost. Give me Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. And when the day of Pentecost just means 50, now we, 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 hinge, we hinge our entire experience and, and beliefs. And everything else on that word. And that's all right. It's become, it's become known as the birth of the church. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, means 50 days, they were all in one accord and in one place. Suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. That's Pentecost. That happened after the sacrifice was put on the cross. Because, let me go back to provoking a move of God. You can begin to praise God where there seems to be no atmosphere or no what, what, what I call manifestation or move of God. You can start praising God. He'll start moving. He'll start working. I'll start feeling his presence. I'll start noticing his presence. I sense angels. I see many things start happening because the Bible says he inhabits or dwells in the praises of his people. And, and any time you seek he said you're going to find. That's a promise to us. Yes. Yes. Now, I don't like seeking. Do you? Have you ever lost anything? <laughs> <The keys>. <laughs> <laughs> Man, look. You're talking about a dude that gets frustrated when I lose something. My keys. My glasses. What else, baby? My Bible my coffee cup Don't judge me it protects me it makes me feel safe <laughs> But if if you need what you need what you're looking for if you need what you're seeking you will endure the frustration you will make the effort You will do what it takes, right, if you lose the keys to your car. You need them. Need provokes God. Need has always provoked God. I can't go into it right now. I don't have time. But look at the wedding of Canaan, of Galilee. Look at the beginning of creation when he looked out and saw that the earth was void and empty. And God said, let there be light. And the Spirit of God moved. That's a move of God, and he saw the need. He provoked it. Most, most people move, move and work and operate on full, but God operates on empty. You come to the house of God, you don't have to have a great education. You don't have to have a lot of money. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be a scholar, but what you do is you need him, and you show him when you're there that you need him. By the way you worship, by the way you respond to his presence, by the way you give yourself and yield to him when he talks to you, deals with you, convicts you, stirs you in any way about change or or doing something that's different that we need to do. So, the best way to overcome fear is to just have a move of God in your life, have the Lord near unto you, keep an humble spirit. Keep an humble attitude. Isaiah said, he is nigh unto them that are, he said, thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit. That means God allows us to go into the high places of the spiritual realm if we have an humble and a contrite spirit only when we do. What is your tendency this morning? Let me just talk to you real straight this morning. I have a habit of doing that. Let me talk to you real straight. If something happens in the order of the service that you don't like, how do you act? You get angry? You get upset? You quench the Spirit? If somebody... Not even, let's not even bring the church into play. Let's bring something else. If something around your home or something that you want, your authority level. I'm not trying to judge us today or condemn you in some way, but I'm trying to make you stop and realize sometimes things, even attitudes that we have, 2 Corinthians says. When we're in a battle and we're wrestling, Second Corinthians 10, it says, and I'm pulling scriptures out that she don't have, so I'm sorry, sister, I, I, I do that, I'm bad about it. Uh, it's Second Corinthians 10, some verse. <laughs> it's in there somewhere. But it says, you know, it's talking about the, the battle, the spiritual warfare that we're in. And it's just pulling down and bringing every thought. 4 through 5. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5. Thank you. Weapons of warfare, not carnal. So if the devil attacks you in some form, what do you do? Get mad? That's the (laughs) carnal. And I'm guilty too. I do it sometimes. That's the carnal realm reacting. He said, if we do it that way, it's not necessarily the right way. It's not always going to work that way. But they're mighty through God. That's not the only thing that it means. I just I feel like bringing that up. I, I feel in, in impressed to, to bring up that particular point. But they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations. That's what I was looking for. Casting down imagination in every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought. I want to bring every thought. It's all already in us. It's all already here. Everything we need, we already have it in that spiritual man, in that spiritual nature. The only person hindering it is us. The enemy cannot hinder those things if we won't let him. He don't have the power. He doesn't have the ability. But when we bring in the presence of God with his presence, when they brought the Ark of the Covenant, when we bring in the presence of God to our lives, we bring in authority. What does authority do? The power to speak, to prophesy, to decree, to declare, to command, to rebuke, to curse things. With his presence comes power. What is that? It's uh, in the Greek, it's dynamis or dunamis. It is the word that dynamite comes from. Power. What is power? The ability to move things out of the way, the ability to resist the enemy, stronger than the issues. And then with his presence comes the blood, the cleansing, the saving, the healing. With his presence comes provisions. That means God's over, overflow. That means living in the land of plenty. That means that he's, he's El Shaddai, not El Chippo. He's not the God of barely enough. He's the God of more than enough. Come on, what's the needs of our lives today? What's the needs of your life today? And with his presence comes Revelation. Sometimes without an active move of God in our lives, we have more questions than answers. But with the move of God in our lives, we have more answers than questions. Without it, we have more questions than answers. I don't understand this. I don't understand that. But when you're communing with Jesus and you're walking in his presence, I'm just, I'm just encouraging you to do this this morning. The miraculous... The signs, the miracles, the casting out of any spirit that would oppose just simply follows us. And it just simply happens in our lives. I want you to stand with me right now.